0: Podiobooks.com, an association with pjvalentine.net and writersexchange.com, presents Weaver's Web, written and read by Philippa Ballantine. Carrying Connor between them, they dropped quickly into the tunnel that the girl offered. Speedily, she pulled the cover over the entrance and signalled for their silence. They hardly needed to be told. Suddenly steeped in the half-dark and surrounded by the noise of hooves, they waited. Then there followed the shouts and growls that the creatures found their slain comrades. The little girl had clapped her hands to her ears and shivered against Ashime. She spared her an arm. Overhead, there was the sound of dragging. Thankfully, the sound stopped with the retreat of hoofbeats. Obviously, tracking wasn't their forte. That was a fraction too close for my liking. Jeris propped Connor on a nearby rock and began to examine him. As she made crouch down next to the girl, she took on the wild hair and rags that might once have been a clay and What's your name, girl? Enormous blue eyes, pale in the shadows, seemed to sum her up and judge her not to be a weaver. Laus Hulin Ashimé sighed, and then hugged her tense little body against her. Thank the divine. The Hulans were among her mother's kin. Holding Laos at her arm's length, she tried to keep her voice calm. Are there others? The girl nodded mutely, shaking under Ashimé's scrutiny. Ashimé once again lifted Connor up. Jeris made to help, but she shook her head. The tunnel's too narrow. Go with the girl. Your eyes are better than mine just in case. Wrapped in female form, it slipped off after their rescuer, thankfully making no argument. Connor was semi-conscious, but she still had to carry most of his weight. Her hands were in his blood, and his arm was heavy over her shoulder. She could only pray that she wasn't hurting him further, and grasped him as gently as she could. Not for the first time she thanked her father for her strength and height. No job for an insipid court lady, this and no conversation between her and those in the lead, partly because she was occupied, and partly because she was afraid. Juris had seen what her oldest friends had seen, and she knew it sensed more than they could. It was a creature of shadow and strangeness. Even it would never truly understand. The tunnel descended sharply, becoming noticeably colder and closer. Ahead was the wane light that the girl held above her head. By it, may could see the pale white columns that surrounded them, the lime rock interior of the island. Even she had never guessed that this existed, and she'd thought she knew the entire place. Gentle water noises cradled them and soothed her shattered calm. Connor moved against her, clutching her far shoulder with a little moan of pain. Don't speak, she soothed him. It's all right. We'll stop soon. It's all right. We're safe. His head dropped against her neck, and she felt a surge of sadness so acute that she paused. Connor was a kind soul, crushed by gieran's cruelty yet he still retained his innocence she couldn't help but wonder how long that could possibly last light showed ahead as they crossed a lime bridge that spanned a cavernous cathedral-like space sound echoed weirdly off the walls voices hurrying to catch up she saw the girl and jeris waited at the other side ah oh, and sweet mother other faces she recognized in dunleary as she may had many cousins uncles and aunts and she'd all but decided in her secret thoughts that they were dead. So to see echoes of her own face across the bridge lightened her mood considerably. Leaf and Miro, two of her younger cousins, far too young to be carrying the weapons of war as they were, straightened when they saw her. They grinned, and despite Connor, rushed to embrace her. Unconscious as he was, he was hugged by her relatives. "'Ash!' they cheered, as unbroken as young puppies in their exuberance. Behind their eyes, there was another story, though, reflected also in their ragtag life and gauntness. Trouble was indeed at the clan's door if these were the guards. Their hopes were raised by her appearance. She could tell that. It was as if their famous cousin could whisk them out of harm's way. They obviously thought she was here with an army. Perhaps she had brought more danger with her, though. That thought hurried her determination. Jeris took Connor from her, using his male form to prop the injured Sitkin up. "'No time to lose, cousins, as she may grasp them, one each. "'Evil is on our heels. "'Leaf, take my friends to shelter, and give them what help you can.' "'She smiled at Jerus, trying to lighten his load. "'He simply nodded, and followed her cousin deep and into the tunnels. "'Now, Mero, take me to whoever is leading this refuge. "'I hope it is who I think it is.' "'Laos slipped her hand into hers, "'trotting to keep up with her relative's long strides. "'Ashime's kin led her into the refuge of the clan,' and it was a hard sight for her to bear. The cave was a rabbit warren of twists and turns, and each new one provided more pain. The walls trickled with water, and the air was chill, but far worse was the atmosphere of helplessness among her people. Families huddled together in the near dark, and the most she saw were missing members. For each family that lifted her up, there were gaps that tumbled her down again. Cousins, uncles, aunts, many were gone, the hollow looks and gaunt expressions cut to her heart. No laughter remained from them now. Many times she was embraced, kissed and held, as if they thought she was hope incarnate. For each, as she may search to find a good word and a smile. Mero and Laus eventually managed to lever her to the centre of the cave. Here were huddled the elders of the island, wrapped in blankets and steeped in misery. All except one. Despite it all, she laughed, and abandoning all ceremony, "'threw herself into his upraised arms. "'Grandpa!' "'Hot tears welled up suddenly on feeling his hug, "'weak as it was. "'He was her mother's father, "'stubborn, kind-hearted, lord of the deep, "'and the only close family she had left. "'For that time, while her grandfather held her, "'she wasn't Ashime, consort of Geron, warrior, messenger. "'She was only a frightened child, "'comforted by her loved pa. "'Oh, how she hated to let him go!' He smiled at her through a gruff frown.
1: <laughs> Girl, don't be messing up my clothes.
0: He pulled his torn and dirty lave around him, but gave her a wicked grin.
1: You'd think you weren't expecting to see me. Sit down, with you? I'm not going to crane my neck all day. Sweet mother, we shouldn't have fed you so much.
0: She folded down next to him, silent while she gathered her thoughts. He shed no tears, but under the disguise of the blankets managed to retain her hand. "'each crack and callous she treasured. "'Finally she managed to return a smile. "'I can see you've found a better hall than your old one.' "'Alegre Chandra, Lord of the Deep, growled.
1: "'Those <laughs> bastards burned it down, Ashimé. "'Not content with killing all my stock, they had to burn the hall.'
0: "'He looked about at all the discouraged faces and shook his head.
1: "'I would have stayed and shown them the sharp end of my sword.' "'that your young cousin's dragged me down here.'
0: "'He was injured, or we'd never have managed it,' Meroe murmured. "'What's that?' her grandfather snapped, "'his bright blue eyes drilling holes into her cousin.
1: "'I'd speak up if I was you, boy. "'I'm not a mean man, may, "'but these young folk don't know what they're doing. "'It was bad.'
0: "'From Allegre, that meant a lot. "'Tell me,' she said softly, "'grasping his hand firmly under the blanket.' Willing him her strength.
1: It came in the night, at the beginning of winter. We had heard there was some trouble in Morrow Town, but it was a hard season, not time to go about. Summer's the time for ventures like that. But of course they gave us no time. Such things, as you may, as you would not imagine in your nightmares. What can you do with an enemy that turns your kin against you and so easily? Our warriors fell and we used, or more often not they were simply went to them The song of the flesh, you see.
0: She did not, but nodded all the same. She needed him to finish.
1: So what else was there to do with the children to protect? They came to me and I led them here, while they'd burned the hall. Dragged off all the boats into the sea as well. He we shrugged but then the clan is more than buildings and boats. Now, though, we'll show them, once you get your army ashore.
0: Ashimai couldn't let him go on, building up his hopes. I have no army, Grandpa. Crisfal is in disorder. We didn't even know of the problems here. I followed Geron. Chased him, really. Allegre rolled his eyes, but said not a word against the duke. Then we are finished, someone whispered in the crowd behind them and someone else began to weep. Her grandfather was looking at her, barely holding to his treasured dignity. Kirust was gone beyond the veil. She need not ask. Her uncle, his only son, would have been at his side were he alive. His counsel and strength would be sorely missed. And now they were all looking at her, hoping that she would save them, say something that would bring their trampled spirit alive again. Yes, may said levelly, letting her eye travel among those lost faces. "'If you stay here, you are defeated. "'But that is why you must leave.' "'That shocked them. "'Perhaps the clan had been thinking that she'd rally them for one last battle, "'to go out in a bonfire of bravery. "'Of course, with enemies such as this, even that was denied them.' "'Mero dropped down beside her, "'as if all energy had been sucked out of his young frame.' But Ash, all the ships are gone. They took them. How can we leave? She waded up. From what she'd seen, there were maybe a hundred or so survivors. And even by stripping the sweet lady, they could only manage about half of that. Forcing a calm look onto her face, she smiled. I will sort everything out. We all will be leaving. Not one left behind for the weavers. And one day we will return to rebuild. You have my word. A collective sigh ran among them. That was all they needed. They quickly dispersed together their belongings. Perhaps that was all they were wanting, someone to order them about. Go. Grandpa's voice was hushed, and he clambered to his feet.
1: I would talk with you, apart from the others.
0: She nodded, and followed him to a quiet alcove. Jairus watched from the ledge where Connor was lying, Defeat was all about here, and loss. How could Ashimay possibly manage to get everyone off this doomed island? None had a real comprehension of the true nature of the weavers. It was a type of knowledge not easily understood by outsiders. They were not intent on power, or wealth, or any of those murky objectives that normal humanity valued. None of those things were of any importance to the weavers. And while these clans believed that they were they would remain calm. For if they knew the truth, they'd be lost. To the weavers, Jeris knew, these people were the most valuable thing on the island. They wanted them. And while the layers of rock above them afforded temporary protection, the weavers would do everything to stop them leaving. Without another ship, there was no hope. Connor groaned and Jerus tucked a blanket that Laos had donated close about him. The Sitkin warrior was injured, but not seriously. It was a minor blow to the head that seemed thick enough to take it. Its senses, that it now knew it owed to the weavers, told it this, but revealed no way out for the clan. Here. A gentle voice sounded at its elbow, and a bowl was hesitantly offered. A young woman, her left eye heavily bruised and impossible to see out of, smiled a little at him. This will help him. Jairus's spirit lifted. Every time recently that it had despaired of humanity, something showed it the hidden beauty that it possessed. Its powers told of this young woman's pain, both physical and mental. She could have done with sleep herself, but had offered the last of her draught for another. Perhaps that was where salvation lay for them all. Jeris took the gift with a little bow of its head. The woman stayed while it lifted Connor, and let slip some of the liquid between his lips. Handing back the wooden bowl, Jairus raised a careful hand. She did not flinch, did not look at it with the fear that it was used to. Her liquid brown eyes met its alien amber ones steadily and with understanding. For such a boon, Jairus wanted to give something in return. Its long fingers brushed her poor, bruised face, and it extended a fraction of its power. The swelling faded and was gone. Strange, but the girl did not seem at all surprised. A soft smile was thanks enough. She introduced herself as Massey. They sat companionably enough beside Connor and watched the rest of the clan move around them. We have our stories, she finally said, about people like you among the clan. Jeris frowned at her, wondering what she could mean. Take him. She pointed across the cavern to a perfectly normal-looking man. His mother, I heard, could change her shape to that of a seal, and swim to Crisfal if she wanted. My mother's cousin, she could always know the sex of her children, and my mother said she could choose it. And gossip has it that my grandfather was a great sailor, because he could see as well to the horizon as almost any could see to the prow of their boat. We have always known such beauty and strangeness here. But nothing like me. None that I have seen. But then again, there are stories. Its heart warmed then, realizing she was trying to make it feel welcome. Jerris watched as she may rise and help the old man she had been talking to, to his feet. Its preternatural eyes were not fooled. There was a resemblance there. The same set of jaw and height. It felt a little tug within itself. It had never known kin. The other weavers, if they had ever been, were now as repulsive to it as normal humans found them. It could only observe the strange bonds people formed and enjoyed, the ties of kin and blood and friendship. Part of it ached to know such connections. She's your woman, Massey observed, a small frown on her face. Jeris's form moved to male of its own volition. He gasped, shaking his head, laughing a little. Of course not. A very knowing look was shot his way. Say what you want, but your eyes tell otherwise. The idea is impossible when I am
1: what I am.
0: And she is what she is. Massey did not meet his eye, lost in her own memories. The heart knows no proprieties. Have you never loved a woman before? Forcing himself to the between state, Geras shuddered at the recollection. Once I did, very much. I would have done anything for her, but that was wrong of me. So, how often are you in woman's form around her? Massy rested her chin on her hand and fixed it with a hard look, pleased, it seemed, to pin it down so easily. Jeris did not reply, thinking with a jolt that she might be correct. Female form did just not seem right about as she may when before it was like slipping into a well-known glove. Lately, it had been wearing one glove more than the other. Still, it would not consider the possibility. Ashime was its friend, and the only one that had given it a taste of closeness that it had always desired. Any more was simply not possible. It ignored Masson, instead following Ashime's progress across the cave to an alcove where she and her grandfather could not be heard, at least by the other clanspeople. For Jeris it was another story. It noted her gentle hand under the old man's elbow and the way she shortened her stride to match his more uncertain one. Knowing it was wrong to listen, Jeris turned to check on Connor. They sat companionably, Ashime and her grandfather. He was indeed a beautiful sight to her. Suddenly the reasons she had left seemed much smaller than they had previously. Ashime looked across the cave to her friends. Connor's colour was better, now that the blood was cleared from his face. She laid her cloak over her pa against the chill of the cave. Now, she dropped down cross-legged at his feet, tell me the truth. Much as she loved him... She knew he was trying to keep much from her. But now sensibilities must be ignored, she thought to herself. I can't have much pride left by now. Thanks, Karen. How much he had aged since she last saw him, gaunter and weaker than she'd ever thought. Her childhood was filled with his enormous presence and strength, and it shattered her to see him thus.
1: You feel it, don't you?
0: His eyes were as sharp as ever. Such eyes, matched with such hands, had driven fear into the hearts of his enemies in earlier days. But she knew what he meant. Yes. It's becoming harder to resist each time, Grandfather. You must tell me the whole truth now. I must know what sort of battle I face. His sigh was long and pained. The Lord of the Deep had more secrets than just the caves beneath his island, it seemed. A story was buried within him that he didn't want to part with. Holding out his hands, Ashime unsheathed his sword and laid it in them. As if the touch of steel was a catalyst, he broke his silence.
1: Nothing good ever comes from the Deep. Least of all, anything found like your father was, tangled in a great mass of seaweed. The Deep holds no life. So I should have seen it. I knew that day they brought your father up from the shore, broken and dead, that he could only bring ill to the clan. But my daughter Freya had already looked at him with kind eyes, and I could not turn away one I had given half place to. We called him Arumira, gift from the waves, but more doom than gift he proved. He was a good man, made a strange one. To you he was a fine father, and you could never have seen the fire within him until it was too late. But for me, I knew, and for what happened, I must be blamed.
0: When she murmured disagreement, he raised his hand, expression stern.
1: Do not naysay me, girl. I know the story better than you, and have kept it all this while. Silence. My Freya would have him for her husband, and I allowed it thinking that the love of my good daughter would keep her safe. My joy at your birth, dear heart, was only tempered by the loss of your mother, when you were still so young. By then I knew that he was what he was, but I could not deny him the right to raise his own daughter how he saw fit.
0: She remembered him. How could she ever forget the most beloved person in her life? He was the man by which all others were judged. All her childhood had been in his protective shadow. He was always the greatest of souls and the best of storytellers. She could still hear her father's voice in their small house, raised against the wind outside as he read to her. She blinked back tears and came back to the present with a jolt.
1: I have never been ashamed of you, girl, but I would have chosen another life for you. Rather than warrior. "'But your father would have his own way. "'Still, he named you well for the morning's first fire, "'and you have inherited his strength, his courage, and his bane. "'I need not tell you how he died. "'You saw all too much that night, the pirates coming from the deep, "'your father and his friends swept down from the hills to save the village. (laughs) "'We all thought he'd prove himself a hero.' Then the light was about him, and the rage upon him, and he did not stop with the raiders.
0: Eshimé clenched her arms about her knees, now fighting the images that assailed her. Those first few moments when her father was like a glowing sun, raving about him, killing those that until moments before had threatened her kin. Unseen winds raised his hair about him. He shone, golden and dazzling in the dusk, until there were no more pirates left standing. Then he had turned on his own. He had killed so many, the blood staining his hands and blade. All the others thought he'd finally been overcome. Ashime knew the truth. She had seen in his eyes comprehension. Between rage and reality, he had realized what he'd done. In that moment, he had dropped his sword, offering up his own neck. Tears ran down her face, and she hung her head, letting them come. To the others, he had been a murderer, lost in the throes of an unnatural rage. But to her, he had been her beloved father. Pa had been among those grievously injured. So the dark had fallen on her, alone, cradling his battered body in her arms until he was cold. Only fifteen, it had taken her hours to bury him and direct a cairn overlooking the sea. All the time she was frozen inside, and though she understood her kin's reaction, she could no longer bear to stay there. That night she had fled on the ketch; They had burned her home behind her. No remains of Adolmira would be left to hurt them. Grandfather's hand cupped her bowed head.
1: You never knew, child, but I know I alone out of all the elders of this or any other clan.
0: Eshime raised her tear-stained face, wanting answers desperately. He smiled softly at her, brushing them away with one rough hand. Don't
1: you see, Ash, what your father was? What all of the outer islanders are descended from? Weavers.
0: She almost choked, almost laughed, and then almost recognised the truth. Grandfather!
1: I would have thought someone would have guessed. The weavers have been here before, child. They were here long ago, many of our generations past. Once before they came across the deep, seeking. Whatever it is that drives them, our ancestors forced them back. How I cannot say, but at great cost. But many remained, especially here, the first place they reached. They concealed themselves, something that they can be very good at, and married and had children to island men and women. Beyond the influence of the Alpha, their dark leader, they could do that. They buried the memory of their coming from our memories against the day they were to come.
0: Grandfather, she shuddered, how can you suggest that anyone would would lie down with those things about?
1: They can wear pleasing forms. Some, if they choose.
0: He sent a pointed look across the cavern, where Jeris sat conversing with a small kinswoman. A little shiver caught her. She cared for Jerus, owed it her life, but deep down, perhaps she could admit that she felt sorry for it. Now, though, she knew that that very same blood flowed in her veins. The question was, who was the more deserving of pity? Across the cavern, its amber eyes locked with hers. It knew. Those sharp senses served it well here as everywhere else. Does anyone else know, Grandfather? He shook his head.
1: None. The secret has passed from Lord of the Deep to Lord of the Deep. The outer isles are isolated enough without letting the rulers of Crisfel know. We were afraid, and it was better if people knew nothing of it. Where was the harm in keeping them in the dark from something
0: that happened so long ago? Long ago? Ashimay's brow clouded over. Is this long ago enough, Grandfather? Who knows? If we could have done better, had we realized? She rubbed her forehead wearily, fearing a headache developing. What about my father? What was he?
1: Only he could have told you, if he knew. Perhaps he was from another island. Perhaps he was from further. Wherever the weavers come from, perhaps. We can never be sure. What about that?
0: He jerked his head towards Jerris.
1: Does it know where it comes from?
0: No. But it has proven itself, and it's my friend. He grunted, obviously not impressed. Well, Ashimo rose on weary legs. At least it explains why the outer islands are more susceptible to the weaver's change. Perhaps it'll even become useful, this knowledge. He levered himself up from the rock and embraced her.
1: You will lead the clan, Ashime. You are your mother's daughter, as well you know.
0: From across the cave, Jairus watched her. It had tried to turn its senses away from what was a very personal conversation, but as with everything that concerned Ashimei, it found it intriguing. Her grandfather's revelation made a lot of sense to it. Now it could understand a great deal more about her, the strength of weaver-controlled muscles, her outstanding healing powers, and most of all the bond that she and Jeris shared. It could feel her distress at these revelations, but she would survive. Perhaps comprehension had always lurked close at hand, whispering the truth into her ear. They spent the next few days with the clan, all the while helping them get further into the underground rabbit warren, working closer and closer to the sea. It was frustrating work. The tunnels had never been charted, and there were groups of weavers wandering about as disorientated as they were. There were several pitched, vicious battles in the close confines of the tunnel. Connor had recovered by the second day and was soon carrying his fair share of the clan's meagre possessions, the blow to his head seemed to have quietened him a little, or perhaps it was simply that he didn't quite know his place here. The grandfather and granddaughter discussed what was to be done. The tunnels apparently ran right down to the sea. may had arranged for a clansman to swim out to the sweet lady to prevent her sailing at the set time. The messenger passed on Vral's colourful comments to her when he learned of the influx of people his ship was to bear. Still there remained the question of who would be able to leave the island and who would remain to face the inevitable overrun of the weavers. It was a heartbreaking decision, and one that Gerus knew would cost Ashime dearly. The women and children would be ferried across first, and what men could be fitted? It meant the destruction of many families, and undoubtedly many of the women would want to stay. There was no choice, though. The clan must survive. Mero, Ashime's younger cousin, approached, his eyes trailing over his shoulder to where his elders were still deep in conversation. Like all youth, he was somewhat suspicious of them. Massey smiled shyly at him and Jairus could see how things lay there. Mother willing, they would both be able to get off the doomed island. The girl inched a little closer to him surreptitiously. Mary darted a quick smile at her and slipped his dusty hand into hers. They're saying that some must remain behind. We haven't enough room on Asher's boat. The men will act as rearguard as far as the cliffs, and then bravery and fright ward in his face. Then we make a charge. If the weavers have our bodies, at least they'll be dead ones.' Nassie had no more tears to shed, but she leaned into him, snaking her arms about, as if she would hold him to life. Geris ached. Here was friendship, loyalty and devotion, as it had never known in anyone before Ashimae. This was something worth fighting for. Looking about at the desperate but determined faces, it knew that not even half were to get off the island. Yet they set to their tasks with quiet self-possession sons and daughters, who soon knew they would lose their father, still helped them into their armour and strapped on their swords. An idea lit in its head. Of course it was a foolish gleaming jewel of an idea but the only hope that jerris could see for this clan. Death and danger were involved, yet curiously it felt excitement. That was, if it could be done, it was certainly worth the risk. It handed its medicine bag over to a clansman with instructions to give it to Connor when he next saw him. Ashime knew the uses of the contents almost as well as it. Not even daring a last look in her direction, lest she sensed something, Jera slipped away on its silent feet. The clan was packed and ready to move again, and stood quietly enough, waiting. Little families gathered in clumps, arms hooked around each other's human warmth. No tears, though. They had shared all they had. Just as Ashime was about to speak to them, there came a shout from the other end of the corridor. Leif burst through the crowd to reach their grandfather. He carried a bared sword, and there was the smell of blood and death about him. Weavers! he gasped, dropping to his knees before them. I ran as fast as I could. They've broken through the western tunnels. We set off the rockfall, as you said, Lord, but there were so many. Eshimé buckled her sword belt on, exchanging a glance with her grandfather. How long have we got? His brow was grimly set, no sign now of his lingering smile.
1: Not long. Half an hour at the most.
0: The clan didn't need to be told. A small force of warriors preceded the elders, the sick and the young, but the majority formed the rearguard. The weavers would have to be slowed at all costs, for the clan could not move as swiftly over the rocky, uneven ground as those with tentacles or paws or whatever the weavers chose. Ashimei waited, as still as the rock, letting the exodus flow around her. Over her clansmen's head she could see Connor striding towards her, expression grim, but Jeris was nowhere in sight. Allegra grasped her shoulder.
1: We will wait at the cave of the wall. You can't miss it. It's the last before the sea. We don't have much choice until the boat arrives. Hold them as long as you can, girl, but keep falling back until you reach it. We will need you there while we get everyone across. Mother's blessings, granddaughter.
0: And then he was gone, never one for long speeches or tearful goodbyes. As Connor reached her, her heart contracted. This was not his fight. None of this was and yet he was ready to take his place in it. He smiled sweetly. As you once told me, Ash, you lead from the front, but I bet you can use a strong arm to your left. Among the streaming clan's people, she still couldn't see Jerris, but it was likely with the wounded, tending as its talents dictated. Certainly there was no time to find it, and thank it for all it had done. She gave Connor a curt nod, and made for the rear guard, forming at the third of this tunnel. The time for pretty speeches was long past. Action now waited. I hope you've enjoyed this chapter of Weaver's Web. If you want to get your hands on an E or print edition of this novel, you can do so through my website, which is net. On this podcast, you've heard Ghost Song by Hands Upon Black Earth, which is available through magnatune.com. All other music in this podcast is supplied by T. Morris. Find out more about T. at tmorris.com. Thanks for listening.